Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by co-founding pastor John Ferguson as we conclude the series, Mind Matters. If you're new, we'd love to learn your name. Simply text CONNECT to 630-793-6399 and we'll send you more information about community. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Do you remember when you were younger having to answer the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Some of you are thinking, do I remember? I'm still trying to answer that question. And I get that. Uh, You know, I think back to when I was about 10 years old. What did I want to be? And I want you to do that. Think back to when you were 10 years old. What would your 10-year-old self say you wanted to be when you grew up? Now, here's me when I was 10 years old. Laser suit, rather large collar, about to fly away, I would say. But when I was 10 years old, I wanted to be one of two things. I either wanted to be a comedian or a dentist. True story, comedian or a dentist. Now, whenever I shared with someone that I wanted to be a comedian, you know what they would do? They would just laugh at me, which really only further encouraged me. But somewhere along the line, that dream changed and I decided not to be a comedian and instead be a pastor, which I guess some would say is just another form of stand-up. I don't know. But, but how about you? I mean, what would your 10-year-old self say you wanted to be when you grew up? If you have access to the chat room, go ahead and put that in the chat, what you would have said you wanted to be when you grew up when you were 10 years old. See, I think children like to talk about what they want to be, and young people like to talk about what they want to be when they grow up, because deep inside of every one of us, I think we long to have a purpose. We want to make meaning out of our life. We want that kind of direction. We know that our life is going to have an impact, and so we think about, we talk about, we dream about what we want to be. But I think we all know, too that sometimes life can, well, our circumstances can change. Things don't turn out the way we planned. Our dreams get dashed, tragedy strikes. And sometimes I think that can cause us to doubt our impact or doubt our future, doubt our purpose. And I'll be honest with you, even myself, you know, I've been thinking about this as I prepared for this talk. There are several areas, even in my own life, that right now just aren't where I thought they would be by this time in my life. And when I look back over the past several years, and especially the last several months as we've been through this COVID crisis, I would guess that many of us would feel like, you know what, I'm just not quite where I thought it would be. I have been thrown a number of curves and I kind of feel like, you know, I'm beginning to question at times, even my impact, my future, sort of my purpose. Am I really making a difference? But you know what? I think one of the evil one's most damaging tactics is to get me to believe the lie that maybe, just maybe, I don't really matter. I think it's one of his most dangerous tactics is to get you and me to believe, maybe I don't really matter. You know, over the past uh, few weeks, we've had some very honest conversations about mental health. And our hope with these conversations is that we'll be able to break the silence, we'll be able to reduce the stigma and encourage people to find the help they need to live with hope for the future. And so today, as we conclude this series, Mind Matters, we want to talk about how so often we can actually find hope and how God uses whatever it is that we've been through, whatever tragedy or terrible experience we may have had, God can use that in a purposeful way to touch the lives of others. Because God, you see, God can take even your most difficult and heartbreaking experiences and use them for his purposes. God can take even your most difficult and heartbreaking experiences and use them for his purposes. Now think about that, let that sink in. And if you remember any truth today, I want you to remember this one right here. 
In his letter to Christ followers in Ephesus, Paul reminds us that God created us with a purpose in mind. And, and Paul said it like this. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. He said, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, I want to break that down just a little bit. Okay, first that word handiwork. Uh, in some translations, it's the word workmanship. And it actually, in the original language of the New Testament, it's the word poema, poema, which sounds a little bit like our English word what? That's right, it sounds a little bit like the word poem. It's an artistic term, and it conveys the idea that you and me, we are not mass-produced. No, we are creatively, intentionally, and individually made. Now, I don't know, maybe you've heard somebody say at one time or another, well, you know, when that person was uh, born, uh, God threw away the mold. And, you know, sometimes it's a compliment, uh, sometimes it's not so much. But you know what? It's actually true of everyone. You are one of a kind. There's no one else like you. You are a masterpiece. And you're not a work of art simply to hang on the wall for people to admire. No, you're actually created for a purpose. Paul says you're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That's your purpose. God created you to do good works that are aligned with the good work that God wants to do in his world. You know, I was talking uh, with a friend of mine about this just the other day. And he really helped me out as, as he explained a few things. He uh, happens to be a professor of theology in New Testament in a local university. And so I figured he might some, have some good ideas on you know, God's purposes for our lives and what scripture has to say about that. And so we were talking about it. And here's what he shared with me. He said, you know, all of us actually have an identity. We also have a calling and we have an assignment. We have an identity, a calling, and an assignment. And he said, what your identity is, he said, your identity is that you are a child of God. You're a child of God. You may have heard the term Imago Dei. Imago Dei means image of God. The very image of God is impressed upon you. It's in your DNA. It's in your very soul. You are a child of God because you are created in his image. That is your identity. Then he said, you also have a calling. And he said, your calling is to follow Jesus. What did Jesus say to those first disciples when he came upon them and wanted them to join him in his ministry? He said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You are a follower of Jesus. That's why we love the term Christ follower because it conveys our calling. So you see, we have an identity, we have a calling. And then finally he said, you know what? We also have an assignment. And he said that assignment may change based on your circumstances, but God gives you an assignment for this particular time and place. And that was really helpful for me because I think sometimes I confuse my assignment with my calling and my identity. Now, my assignment right now is to pastor a community Christian church on the north side of Chicago. Now, that could change due to circumstances or, or something else that is unforeseen. But my identity, that being a child of God and my calling, choosing to follow Jesus, that will never change no matter what my assignment. And here's why I think that's so important for us today. And don't miss this, okay? Super important. Your assignment or particular purpose may change due to your circumstances or whatever it is you might be going through or have gone through. But what's beautiful about our God is what I said earlier, and it's this right here. God can take even that most difficult and heartbreaking experience and use it for his purposes, if we'll let him. See, God might even give you a new assignment out of those circumstances, as heartbreaking as they may be, because see, you're still his masterpiece and you're still created in Christ Jesus to do good works. It's interesting, in, in another letter to some Christ followers, this time uh, in Corinth, uh, Paul wrote these words. He said, 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. You see here, what I love about this is Paul is praising God and calling him the Father of compassion, the God of all comforts, who comforts us in our troubles. And why does God comfort you and me in our troubles? Well, let's read on. The next section says, well, it's so that we then can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. You see, part of your purpose, part of my purpose, part of our purpose as a faith community is to comfort others who are in trouble with the comfort we receive from God. We don't take that comfort that we receive from God when we were going through whatever we're going through or what we might be even going through right now and hoard that or hold on to that. No, we take that comfort we receive from God and in turn, then we give it back and we give that same comfort to others out of the comfort we receive from our Heavenly Father. Well, what does that look like? Well, I think it can look like simply being with other people in their struggles. You know, speaking uh, words of comfort and encouragement, purpose and hope. I think it means sharing how you faced whatever you're going through to get through whatever it is that you're going through to help someone else move forward in their life. That's what I think it can look like. Uh, Maya Angelou once said this. She said, uh, I've learned that you shouldn't go through life with a catcher's mitt on both hands. You need to be able to throw something back. Think about that. I've learned that you shouldn't go through life with a catcher's mitt on both hands because you need to be able to throw something back. And you know, over the past three weeks, we've heard the stories of John, Latoya, and Annie as they courageously shared some of the mental health challenges that they have walked through over the past several years. And today we want you to hear from them again, but this time I want you to hear how, you know, they're throwing stuff back. They're not living life with two catcher's mitts on. No, they're receiving the comfort that they took from God, what God gave them during their most difficult challenges, and they're comforting others with it in return. I want you to listen for that as we hear more from them today. All right, welcome, John, Latoya, Annie, and uh, thanks for giving us the chance to talk just a little bit more with you in addition to uh, all of you sharing your story. Uh, It's really been meaningful for all of us, I know. Let me just begin with this question, and John, maybe you can uh, get us started. From your perspective, why do you think it's so difficult for so many of us to talk about our mental health? Oh, that's a great question. And I, I would imagine that that answer differs from those of us on this call and, and anybody suffering with mental illness. But for me, one of the reasons uh, that I think it's difficult and it was difficult for me is I'm one of those like overachiever type three on the Enneagram. And you know, you don't know what your coworkers are going to think. You don't know what your employer is going to think. And so like, John, even just our relationship. So if you knew that I was struggling with anxiety, that, well, maybe you would think like, oh, you know, can we ask him to do that? You know, can we count on him? Is he, is he going to be reliable? Do we have to tiptoe around him? You know, like that's the last thing I want. And so there's a part of me that would hold back and I'd be like, yeah, I don't know if I want to tell anybody because they might think that way of me. Boy, I would think a lot of people feel that way for sure. Yeah. Uh, Latoya, how about you? Yeah, I think that the stigma associated with mental illness, you know, people hear mental illness and they think a crazy person. And it's definitely not like that. Um, I feel like people are really concerned, like John said, with what others will think of them. Um, And there's a little bit of shame associated with it, almost like it's your fault that you can't get better. It's your fault that you're sad or you're anxious. Just stop worrying. Um, I think that fear and other people's reaction, 
I think is definitely um, plays a part in how, why people don't share their mental health struggles. Uh, certainly. And, and I think, you know, one of the reasons we wanted to do the series was to try to minimize or remove that stigma. Uh, Annie, how about you? Uh, why do you think it's so difficult to talk about this topic? Yeah, I would add, I think people are really afraid to be a burden. Um, they worry that sharing their story is just going to weigh heavily on others. I think, too, people worry that others won't understand. Um, and the last thing I think people worry, especially in the um, context of a faith community, that they're going to be judged or shamed, like something's wrong if they have, if they're struggling with mental health issues or anxiety and depression, that somehow they don't have faith. Oh, yeah, I think that's that's probably really common fear in, in a faith community, in a church, this feeling that, okay, you know, I, I have a relationship with God or Jesus, and so I, I should be able to get over this right on my own, uh, which, of course, we know, we know is, is not the case. So, uh, Annie, let me start with you, come back to you then on this one. What would you say to someone who has been struggling with anxiety or depression, but they've been doing it by themselves? They just have yet to let anybody in. How, how would you encourage them? My approach to this is usually to put the shoe on the other foot. So um, when someone comes to us and they share how they're feeling or what they're struggling with, a lot of times it feels really good to come alongside them and to be that support. It's kind of an honor and a privilege. And I think we need to remember that there's going to be seasons of life when we're the giver and the taker. There's times when we have the need and times when we're there supporting others. And so um, it's just a good reminder that in those different seasons, you know, we can accept where we're at and ask for help when we need it. Yeah. And any one of us that's ever had anybody come to us knows what a gift that is. Yet, for some reason, we don't think that when we're going to somebody else. Uh, Latoya, what would you say to that? I would say that if you don't feel comfortable enough with your circle of friends and family, that there are organizations out there that offer support groups where you can talk to people that are essentially strangers, but are dealing with the same types of issues that you're dealing with. And once you get in with a group or a counselor where you can talk to someone who understands your issues, then it will make you feel a little bit more confident about reaching out to your family and friends. So I would definitely encourage you to search on Google. There's tons of places. Community Christian has a mental health support group. So there are people out there that understand your struggle and want to help you with it. Absolutely. And John, how about you? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. And it depends on your relationships for sure. Um, and in my case, like I, I would just say, like, go to the person that you love and you trust the most because they're going to be there for you. And that was certainly the case uh, with me and my wife. And you know, really, I mean, the moment I, I shared it, you know, I, I was no longer carrying that burden alone. And, you know, I could just sort of pour my heart out to Amy. And, and now I felt like, okay, we're in this together and, and I'm going to get through it. It's interesting when we're, when we're in it, I, my, my hunch and feeling is that we forget what that's going to feel like when we have shared it. And then when we do, that relief is, um, you know, beyond... Um, what we can even explain sometimes. Uh, so today we're talking about, you know, how God can use whatever we've gone through, even our most heartbreaking and difficult experiences to touch the lives of others. And I know from hearing your stories and talking to each of you that God's certainly using what you've gone through to help people. So I would love to hear from you, maybe an example of how you've seen God use your pain uh, for a purpose. 
Latoya, you want to get us started here? Sure. Well, I would say the number one way that God has used my pain for a purpose is um, the mental health support group that I lead through the church. Um, I have had the opportunity to meet um, a group of people that suffer from mental health issues, but they're so loving and we share our stories and we're able to give each other real advice about what we're going through and things that we found helpful and things like that. Sharing my story and being able to see that recognition in someone's eyes that, yeah, I've gone through that too, is just the best feeling in the world because you don't feel alone. You feel like you have someone to go through it with. Yeah, I've been a therapist for about 15 years now, and I kind of created this mantra that my passion of helping people heal gives purpose to my past and my pain. And I think a lot of that is about language. So when we go through something, it's really hard sometimes, especially if it's involving anxiety or depression, to put words to it. And I think when I sit with clients or friends and are able to say, you know, it sounds like what you're experiencing is this, this, and this, and validate it or just reflect it back to them. Or even I could imagine that you'd be feeling this way having gone through something. Um, People do. They end up feeling really validated and that language connects with their feelings. And I think that's a really helpful and healing. Um, I also have learned that as I help others, I myself heal. You know, I hear the words that that they say and the hope that's kind of being infused and remember that I have to apply that to my own life. Yeah, it's, I think a couple of you have used some interesting language that I want to come back to. Annie, you said it sounds like, or I would imagine, when you're talking to others. And it's not like you're saying, I know how you feel. Is there something important there? I, I, I sense that maybe there is. Yeah, I think we have to be careful. I mean, we can never know 100% what someone's gone through or how they exactly feel. So when we use those words and just kind of invite them, it's a way to invite them to say more. Like if we're wondering or imagining, they can step into that and use their own words, but it's just this, it gives them kind of a starting point to work off of. Yeah, and I would say too, John, I would just add that like personally, like I feel like God is just opening opportunities for me to be a blessing and encouragement to others. And you know, even last year when I realized that uh, that I had been suffering from anxiety and here I am in the midst of like this this overwhelming anxiety, I'm on this trip and it was like this this lifetime trip to go to Israel and I, I would have I would have never guessed that God would have used that trip and and lined up my circumstances to bless somebody else. But here we are in this foreign country and, and another one of our, our travelers, a group member, you know, I, I can just sort of see that, that they're super uncomfortable. They're about to have an, um, an anxiety attack. And, you know, it, instantly I, I, I just recognize I'm like, oh, I know what that is like. I can see what's going on in that person. So, you know, immediately uh, I just come alongside them and I got to sit there with them and I said, you know, has anybody ever talked to you about anxiety? And it's like a light bulb went on for that person who, you know, now has gotten some help and some treatment and some counseling and is is living an anxiety-free life. And so it just it just feels really good, like, to be able to see that and, and to come alongside and help somebody. And, and what a lifeline. I mean, uh, you don't know how long that person may have been struggling, you know, all alone by themselves. And you just kind of throwing that out there gave them the opportunity to open up and maybe talk about it for the first time. Uh, so So kind of— you know, keeping in line with that thinking, there's no question that, you know, all the folks that are with us here today, there are a lot that are right now, even in this moment, dealing with stuff, really struggling. Uh, what encouragement uh, would you give them? John, why don't we start back with you? Yeah, I would say that uh, you're not alone. Um, 
I mean, you see all of us here uh, sharing our story. You're not alone. Um, unfortunately, you're in good company, uh, but there is hope, okay? There, there really is hope. And you will get to the other side of this. And I think if you take some of those steps to, to share, to seek that professional help, you can experience hope and joy and peace again in your life. You will. Latoya, how about you? I would just like to tell people to not feel ashamed. Don't feel ashamed. There is nothing that is makes you less than someone who doesn't live with uh, a mental illness. It's important that you know that you can have a a regular life. You can have children, you can have a family, you can have a career and still be dealing with mental health. It's not a sentence to forever be locked in your home dealing with this. Mm -hmm. There's hope out there for you. Um, I would encourage you to seek out help, um, whether it's a family member or a medical professional, to just get yourself um, to a place where you can be the best version of yourself. Mm. I like that. Be the best version of yourself. Yeah. And Annie, how about you? I would just add that you matter um, and that you're worthy. You are worth doing the work and reaching out and getting healthy um, to live a full life. Yeah, like like John said, um, unfortunately, you're in good company. <laughs> hey, you know, I can't thank you enough, uh, Annie, Latoya, John, for um, you know the courage that you showed in sharing your story with us over the past several weeks, and then coming back today and just with sincere authenticity, I think, just giving some of your thoughts and insights from your own experience that I know will just help lots and lots of people. So on behalf of uh, community, we just say thank you from the bottom of our hearts. I'll tell you what, I think a, an appropriate way to wrap this up would be to, to say a word of prayer. John, would you lead us in a prayer? Yeah, I'd love to. So thanks okay. for the opportunity. Uh, so if you'd bow with me, Father, uh, we just want to say a thank you uh, for for being faithful and for seeing each one of us through uh, this this mental health challenge in our in our personal lives, Lord, and now using our stories to be an encouragement and a blessing and a hope to others. And I do pray, Lord, that uh, that um, those that that are are within the sound of my voice, Lord, if, if anybody is struggling, whether it is with a suicidal thought, whether it's depression, whether it's anxiety, any mental health um, concern, Lord, that they would. Uh, turn towards you, Lord, uh, that they would feel your presence, that they would experience your love and your joy and your peace. And I pray that you would give them the courage to seek the help that they need, to have those conversations, to let somebody else walk alongside them, to bless them, to be a giver in their lives. And Lord, it is our prayer that they would experiencing uh, experience healing in short order, Father, and that then you would use their lives to be a blessing and an encouragement to others. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I'm so encouraged by John and Latoya and Annie. And I just love how God is actually using their pain for a purpose. I think they're living examples of this truth that I so hope will sink in today that our God can take even your most difficult and heartbreaking experiences and use them for his purposes. And I just want to say, if what you've heard today resonates with you, or if you'd like more information, or you could use some more help, go right now to communitychristian.info, and you'll find resources available right there. You know, every week in this series, we've replaced a lie with a truth about you. And today, I want to remind you that anytime you feel like you don't matter or that your life doesn't count, here is a truth about you. You have a purpose. You have a purpose. 
You are a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Your identity is that you are a child of God. Your calling is to follow Jesus and God has an assignment for you. You know what? Even every single part of your life, including the most challenging and difficult and heartbreaking experiences, God can use in order to help others for you to provide the comfort that you received and give that to other people so that they can also get through whatever it is they're going through. And this is especially true today for folks who struggle with mental illness. Uh, Rick Warren, who lost his son to mental illness, knows this so well. And here's what he said. He said, your greatest ministry will likely come from your deepest pain. Think about that. Your greatest ministry, your greatest opportunity for purpose will likely come from your deepest pain. And so as we wrap this up today, I, I wanna ask you to do something with me, okay? And, and this is gonna stretch you just a little bit and kind of maybe pull you a little bit outside of your comfort zone. But I want you to think for a moment about some of the most difficult moments in your life. And for some of you, you might be in the most difficult moments of your life, even as I speak. But think about some of the most difficult moments in your life. Uh, maybe it was a season of, of darkness and depression. Uh, for some, it might've been a hardship or, or a loss, or maybe it's, it's an ongoing struggle with anxiety and depression. But whatever it is for you, what I want you to do right now is I want you to hold your hands out like I am right now. And I want you to imagine that that hardship, that pain, that experience, whatever it is for you, maybe it is a struggle with some sort of mental illness, that that is in your hands. And, and that whole experience, whatever that might be for you, that hardship, that difficult time, that tough experience, those circumstances are in your hands right now. And then what I want you to do is I wanna, I wanna ask you to take a step further and I want you to, to hold that up as, as an offering to God as I am right now. And I just want you to imagine that hardship in your hands and you're, you're giving that up to God and you're, you're literally daring God to, and asking God or even begging God to bring purpose from your pain. Will you do that? Because again, our God can take even your most difficult and heartbreaking experiences and use them for his purposes. So go ahead and hold those up in your hands as I read this benediction over all of us today. Wherever you go, God is sending you. Wherever you are, God has put you there. God has a purpose in your being right where you are. Christ, who indwells you by the power of his spirit, wants to do something in and through you. Believe this and go in his grace, his love, his power, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.